0: Wake Up the Echoes, the official show of the Fighting Irish presented by TireAct.com is also brought to you by Canon Solutions America, Credit Union One, Coca-Cola, Gatorade, and Under Armour. Irish fans, this is episode four of Wake Up the Echoes presented by TireAct.com. I'm your host, Tony Simeone, and I have news for you. I was driving in to record this show today, and I was headed east, and I saw along the horizon uh, a little bright light, and it was the sun. It came up today. It's going to come up tomorrow. It's going to come up next week in Durham, and I'm keeping the faith. I know that the result did not go the way that anybody you're going to hear on this show today hoped it would, but we had a good cathartic conversation about it, uh, and I'm feeling very optimistic going forward the rest of the season. Uh, you're going to learn about how solutions-oriented this whole podcast is. Had some great guests. As always, you talked to the head coach, Marcus Freeman. Talked to him about the entire game, and I think you'll learn a lot from that conversation. Talk to a couple of offensive linemen who are always great to chat with, Joe Walt and Zeke Correll. And then we talked to NBC's Catherine Tappan. You probably saw her on the sideline last night. Have seen her here uh, in the past covering Notre Dame football. Now she's covering the primetime package for NBC. So, obviously, Not the finish anybody wanted on Saturday, but what a spectacle it was in South Bend. If you just also checked out NBC's page, they set a record for ratings in the last 30 years. So uh, it was a great contest, except for the final moments. Uh, And without further ado, let's talk to the head coach, Marcus Freeman. All right, Coach, this is our fourth podcast. Uh, I know you are frustrated we're not talking about a big win after this last week (laughs) uh quite a game though quite a spectacle i'm going to start first with just the whole week what was your takeaway with the whole week on campus it was quite a spectacle i've never seen this place quite like that it was unbelievable i said in my press conference earlier just the the atmosphere
1: um the work that went into making um saturday night the environment that it was was special and uh Special shout out to the students and the fans mm-hmm. and everybody involved with making that uh, a special, special weekend. Um, it was
0: awesome. The end of the game has gotten a lot of discussion. Just curious. I heard your press conference mm-hmm. and I think you you said, uh, I think I think it's pretty admirable that it all just comes to you. It stops with you. Just, I want to give you the chance on this podcast to lay it out for those that don't listen to all the press conference. Like the end of the game, you guys address, like there's a lot of things you wish had gone differently. What's your takeaway from the end of the game?
1: Yeah. You know, there's no one play that, um, is the reason why we lost, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, but, but great teams find ways to execute when they have, in the biggest moments. And we didn't, um, you know, we had the ball with four minutes left in the game and, and you would love to finish with the ball. And, uh, we didn't, you know, and, and we didn't execute the right way, you know? And, and, um, you know, defensively, that last drive, you know, they convert on third and 10. They convert on fourth and seven. They convert on third and 18. And, and the last two plays, you got 10 guys on the field. And so everybody's accountable. Everybody um, had a part in the result of that game. And we have to en- embrace that. And you have to own it. Like, what we can't do is point the finger and say, this. It's, if he would have done this, right. if if that coach would have done it, no, it's, it's my fault right. Right. And I want everybody in our program to point the finger at themselves. No, nope, No one person is, is responsible, but everybody's accountable. And so, um, that's what it's about. You know, when you have success, it's the greatest team sport there is. Right? Yeah. It is you, you point your finger at your teammates, um, because it isn't about you. But when you have failures, I say it's an individual sport. It's like my kids wrestle. It's like wrestling. And, um, and wrestling, when you lose, you you can't point the finger at anybody else, and that's what I want the mindset to be, and that's what it is. You know, these kids have heard it, and this coaching staff has has, has heard that enough, and so we have a group of individuals that will truly own this and uh, we'll go attack it and fix it.
0: I think uh, it's harder for fans to get over losses than players and coaches because you guys have to go get ready for the next game. But I thought that, and people will hear it later in this episode when we talk to both offensive linemen, and then when you were talking with Zeke, I just think their mindset is exactly what you described it's 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 really neat to watch the leaders on this team I think echo what you're saying you can tell that I think Joe even said he went home didn't go to bed until 5 rewatched the tape and was looking for all the things that they could have done better yeah so there wasn't the finger pointing you get the sense there is like a look within and how do I do my part to fix this for next time right yeah
1: the difficult part um obviously when you're so invested um is that you have physical pain right and and (laughs) the physical pain, it's, it's indescribable. Right. And, and I kind of forgot because we hadn't lost in a little while. And, and I mean, physically you're ill, but you have to go to work. Yeah. Like you have to go embrace it and you have to go and challenge it and you have to go attack it. And so it's so hard to do that. Why you physically, you're physically ill because you want somebody just to pat you on the back and give you sympathy. Right. When you have that pain, you want somebody to make you feel better, but you can't. And so It's extremely difficult, but the only thing that will really make you feel better is getting back to work around the guys that you have.
0: I heard you in the press, you said you even talked to some players yesterday. So, just you said you had the physical pain. How do you personally like make the action to then switch the flip the switch to start going to work? Because you said it's tough. Yeah, I had to get the frustrations out.
1: Right. And and my position group is the coaching staff. Okay. Right. And so they all have position groups. That's mine. And then we met. Um, and we had a, one of those challenging meetings that we needed, we needed it. And then we broke up and watched the the game with O staff, D staff, and we came back together. And I said, when we get back together this afternoon, we have to turn the page. Right. And, and that's a choice, right? Right. The pain is still there. The, the, the anger is still there, but we have to turn the page. And so we can't let that frustration come out. And so, that's what we did. And that was was really a great remedy for me, um, even though sometimes you, sh- you still have that pain. But you don't have to, to watch the film of Duke long to realize, OK, we have to fix the mistakes from the past game, but really start preparing for this team, too. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and that's kind of what we did and what we'll do.
0: I think one of the things that that bummed me about the game is that there were so many great moments, too. Mm-hmm. I feel like all we've done the last 36 hours is dissect the bad moments. I wanted to talk about some of the bright spots. Yeah. Uh, I think about that 11-play, 96-yard drive. I think it came up in your press conference, too, but so many freshmen. Mm-hmm. Rico catches the touchdown. Jane Greathouse makes some big catches. Jeremiah Love, as the head coach, does that give you like a, a real jolt that, hey, we have guys contributing early on in their careers. This is exciting about, obviously, this year, but the future as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, so excited for those young freshmen that are playing. And, and I'll, I always say it's a double-edged sword, though, because there's other freshmen that might not be playing right now that say, why, why am I not playing? Hmm. Well, everybody's journey is different. You heard Zeke's journey versus Joe's journey is completely different. Joe right? right. came in here was going to redshirt. And... Half, Blake Fisher was the starting left tackle. Then halfway through the season, you know, Blake gets hurt the first game, and Joe comes in here, and he starts and becomes this this great player. But not everybody's journey is like that. And so you have to truly embrace your journey and your role. Um, but to to your other point, man, there was a lot of great moments. Like, we played really, really well. Yeah. And we just didn't execute when we needed to the most. And, you know, the offense did a great job of, of – you know, taking care of the football, really rushing the ball 170 something yards, yeah. um, no sacks versus an extremely talented D line. <laughs> the defense, they held Ohio State's offense to 17 points, which hasn't been happening in like six years, somebody told me. Um, you know, they just we did a really, really good job for a large portion of that game. But those small mistakes versus great teams yeah. are what's gonna cost you.
0: I wanted to talk about the defense because it was, you know, 10 points for 59 minutes and 57 seconds, too. (laughs) I can see the pain. But the corners, I just, you know, we haven't had Benjamin on this show yet. I'm I'm assuming we'll at some point. And then I thought Cam did a great job. It gets lost in all this. They're playing against two of the best receivers in the country, and they weren't a, at least Marvin Harrison Jr. was not a massive factor in the game. And that's a credit to the way they covered. Just when you flipped on the film and you've watched it since, like, how impressed are you with the way? that they covered in such a big game and on such a big stage. Yeah, we have a lot of confidence in our guys,
1: mm-hmm. you know, and in those two individuals. They work tirelessly, they prepare the right way and mm-hmm. and they go out and they play confident, you know, and and um you gotta understand those Marvin Harrison and, and their receivers at Ohio State, they're gonna make some catches. They're yeah. great players, man. But the ability to say, okay, every single play on this play, I'm gonna do my job. Yeah. No matter what happened to last play, is really what's uh pleasing to, as you look back at that game and those corners played um, really, really well uh, versus some great wide receivers.
0: You mentioned turning the page towards Duke. Uh, I heard the news get broken as well. It's going to be four straight night games with Duke and then Louisville the next week and then back here for USC. What about this Duke game that you know they beat Clemson, they're undefeated. You know, there's going to be a lot of buzz. I think game day is going to be there again. Uh, as the head coach, how do you have to prepare this team for what's going to be another like really unique challenge going down to Durham in five days?
1: Yeah, I think you have to have plans for um, a loud crowd, right? Those are the preparation things that you have to make sure that you have a great plan for. But the reality is, is it, we have to focus on our execution, mm-hmm. and and that's what matters. Because at the end of the day, it's about us reaching our full potential. And that's what my message to the team. This isn't about us going, and, Oh yeah, we're going to take our frustrations out on Duke. They, they That's just the opponent we play, right? We have to continue to focus on reaching our full potential. And if we do that, let's see what the outcome is. Yeah. Right. We did not do that on this past Saturday. Right. And the outcome was a 17 to 14 loss. Let's continue to chase reaching our full potential. Right. And there's a way to do that. And so, If we do that, let's see what the outcome of the game is on Saturday.
0: Coach, I appreciate the time as always. I'm looking forward to talking next week after you guys get back from Duke. All right, man. Thanks for
1: having me. Thanks.
0: Hey, Fighting Irish fans. We love that you're hanging out with us for this episode of Wake Up the Echoes presented by TireAct.com. TireAct.com has been revolutionizing tire buying since 1979, so you know they've got their game plan down. Ask their team of experts to help yourself using their extensive playbook. Test results, consumer reviews, and a tire decision guide make buying a new set of tires as easy as a clean quarterback sneak and mobile tire installation for the extra point. Get the right tires to tackle whatever comes next at TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. All right, Joel, Zeke Corell, you guys are here as our guest this week. Uh, this segment's presented by Yeti. You guys fans of the Yeti products? Oh, of course. Yeah. I got one right here, right? Love that. We do our we do our coldest moment oh. of the week. So I want to talk about that second touchdown drive. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty cold moment. We can talk about the rest of the game in a little bit, but eleven plays, ninety six yards, right? You guys are mm-hmm. part of that unit up front. Just from your standpoint, I'll start with you, Joe. Just uh What about that drive stood out to you when you think about it, going ahead, what comes to mind, maybe the coldest moment even of that drive?
3: Yeah, I think for us, it was, we just felt like we were starting to wear them down there and that towards like the second half, we had been driving the first half. We just hadn't really, you know, necessarily capitalized on the opportunities we've been presented with, but getting to that second half, we knew we had it in us. We knew we were moving the ball and we got into that drive and it just felt different i mean it didn't feel different but it just felt like we know we can do this and we're going to go score this touchdown whatever it takes and i think you know it's it's always zeke in the middle kind of starting that with just his communication just like his uh i don't know he just gets us going he's like this is the drive this hmm. so we gotta lock in and we're gonna do it and i think that drive we just kind of all said like no matter what we're finishing in the end zone and we did whatever it took to get there
0: What's stood out to you zeke
4: honestly just like the the mentality of the group um going into that one that's like a gotta have it moment and yeah. you know you can kind of kind of tell when guys are starting to bend a little bit that you're going against when you're wearing on them um and during that drive it was more like uh like this has to happen and it was a no matter what mindset like Mm -hmm. we're we're gonna get this done no question um and yeah obviously we had a good drive but
0: still works (laughs) (laughs) i can i can imagine uh one thing i wanted to ask both of you because i don't watch the game with the same lens you guys do. You guys see the stuff in the trenches better than me. If you can think back to each other's career, you guys have been together now three years, I guess, but what is maybe the coldest moment you've witnessed the other guy execute on the offensive line? Can you think of a coldest moment? It can be in a game. It can be on tape. You got yours? Yeah, I got mine. Zeke can think, and I'll let Joe go first. What is
3: Zeke's coldest moment? I would say it was the entire Clemson game. They had a blitz where they, they take their two inside backers and they cross them, and Zeke leading the charge with our with our two guards against them last year handled it so well and it really opened up our run game the entire game because that was like that was going to be their game stopper for us they're going to hit us with this blitz over and over again and Zeke took the charge and made it work every play and it was that was where our biggest runs came from and us being able to handle that allowed our run game to go and you know allowed us to hold possession win the football game and it was huge for us. Hmm. What about Joe? I don't remember what game it was, but
4: uh, we were in a lot of uh, no pool gap last year okay. and there was one play where Joe had a combo block that he took his guy I think it was like 25 yards downfield planted him on his back <laughs> and I remember seeing that during the game I was like, this kid can ball like this <laughs> uh, that's legit like yeah. that's that's demoralizing for them and uh, yeah, I mean obviously I've known for a long time now that Joe's that guy, but that was something all right, special. All right.
0: The uh, the coldest offensive line moment I want to see if you guys know this one that I've seen since I've been here is that Quentin Nelson blitz pickup against Georgia. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Have you guys been able to execute anything like that in your time here? You guys are still seeking that that one blitz pickup that, that Quentin had back in the day. Well, we're, we're still seeking it. I would say. <laughs> I mean, we we
4: there's a, there's a, there's potential on some of the protections to get one, but we're still we're still seeking.
3: That's a that's a heads up play. Evan. Quentin Nelson.
4: Yeah, that uh, that's every lineman's dream is being able to sprint. So a guy, when he doesn't see you, catch him off guard, so he can't use his athleticism against yeah. you and juke you out of your socks. Uh, but yeah, obviously you would, you'd want to love to sprint and just go absolutely annihilate someone. Yeah.
0: What's but, the? Uh, do you guys have a relationship with Q? I'm, sh- I'm sure he's in touch with the program to an extent. Right. Like what? What? What's the relationship like that there?
4: Uh, yeah, he's a little bit of a or, like not, neither of us play with him. Right. So I mean, we've met him. He's a great guy. Uh, obviously, awesome football player. Uh, did a lot for this university, a lot for Notre Dame offensive line standard. Yeah, yeah. Um, he kind of helped set that, and what it really means to be an
3: offensive line for Notre Dame. He's he's a good dude. Yeah, I think exactly what Zeke said, and he kind of he came last spring. We got to meet him and you know, talked to him, and he kind of just reemphasized what that standard was, and it was really cool for a guy like me because I was still young to like hear how this standard has been you know involved in the group and in been there for so long and hearing a guy like him talk about it and it's still the same was really a cool moment for me it's
0: amazing to see like how consistent (laughs) your guys position is at this place because i've been here this is my eighth season working here Mm -hmm. and it's like the one position group and the other ones are great don't get me wrong we like them all right Mm -hmm. but man it's just like a level of consistency that's always there and whenever i talk to someone that's a part of your group that same message comes out it's like there's a pride in what has come before you and to maintain that right 100 percent yeah
4: Exactly what you said. I mean, yeah. we take great pride in what we do. Uh, just like preparation, making sure we're all on the same plate, all on the same page, playing together. Five is one. And then, uh, like when you're playing out there, you know you're not just playing for yourself. You're playing for the guy next to you, mm-hmm. and all those that came before you. Yeah. Like you
3: don't want to let them down.
0: Yeah, that's yeah.
4: something
3: that they've said. I think that was a big emphasis that, like, I learned about. I was like, yeah, we're doing this for like the guys next to us, but there's also the guys that came before us. You know, they're they're they play on Sundays or maybe they're not playing, but they're watching. They're like. We want to keep that standard that they set, that they worked so hard to develop. We want to continue that with how we play and how hard we work and our preparation going into each week just to like honor those guys and what they did for the program.
0: don't want to harp on this past game too much, but I want to talk to you guys about it because it just happened. Let's first start with O-line and, and your guys' assessment of your play. Coming into this game, like Ohio State's got big-time players on the other side of the field. I thought you guys did a pretty darn good job, but you guys have had a couple days to kind of reflect. Where did you guys think you performed well? Were there areas you guys were hoping to be – be better? What was your takeaway from, from that game on Saturday, from just your position group standpoint?
3: Yeah, I think for us, I, I like I, we talked about it, me and Z talked about it with the group the whole week, was like, let's go play us and be us and do what we do well. And I think we did execute that really well, especially in the run game. Didn't change up too many things and just kind of did what we do we didn't just like continue to work each and every week to get better on things. And I think that's what we did in the run game. And I think it, it worked well for us. We were able to just go out there and know our jobs, know our responsibilities, use our technique and we're able to be successful in the run. And I thought that was something that we harped on that I thought went well for the most part in the run. There's obviously mm-hmm. like plays you want to have back that, you know, you miss your miss your keys and stuff. But sure. for I think for the most part our run game was pretty solid in the way we wanted to execute it.
0: Yeah. What about you Zeke?
4: Yeah. I agree with what he said, you know, going into the week with we kind of have this mindset of like playing fearless, playing free, uh just going out there and doing what we do like playing notre dame offensive line football that's right. that's what our whole thing was uh not playing to their game and i think i mean we had a good game uh you know obviously what, like what he said there's always plays you're going to want back you know you're going to watch it on films <sighs> you want that one back that's football right that's yeah. football yeah. that's how it is you're never going to win every single rep otherwise right. you'd be the best player of all time there were right?
0: two teams playing too yeah, right? yeah like they're, they're going to win but a couple. Uh, a couple I, th- I
4: thought we executed at a at a high level and uh you know i think we did a lot of things to help the offense, you know, get going. So,
0: mm-hmm. okay. I want you guys to keep it very real with me. The last forty-eight hours, like, w- what's your reaction been since the game? Because it's a game you guys obviously could win. Comes down to the last play. Mm-hmm. What have you guys? I think players probably are. I would assume you can correct me if I'm wrong. Can get over a, any loss quicker than fans because you guys have to go look forward to Duke, right? Mm-hmm. But there's still this one day you have off, and you guys are going to get together today. I think is your first time meeting usually after Sunday offs, like what are the last 48 hours been or 36 hours really for you guys as you reflect on that and then have to turn the page here soon. Let's start with you, Joe.
3: Yeah. I think for me, it's, I've always lived by a 24 hour rule. So mm-hmm. as soon as that last, that last, you know, play is played, you have 24 hours to think about it and then you got to move on. So, you know, post game, not going to lie. If like I was to throw up and that one, that one hurts so yeah. bad. You just feel sick to your stomach. I went back to my house, saw my family, you know, they come into town you got to, you know, be with them, but went to bed and I didn't go to bed till probably 5 a.m. I watched the film three times over again and just, you want it so bad and, and you're so close, you just get sick watching it. And it's really, it's a hard one to, you know, swallow. And then we get together as a unit, you know, an offensive line unit on Sunday and go over and it's just, you know, you don't want to play the what ifs game, but they're always always what ifs watching the film and you're just like, gosh, it was just right there. And what could we have done more? And it's, it's always super hard. But then you, know, you get past the 24 hours for me and it's like, all right, you know, now we got to. You gotta kind of reset. You gotta take the things you watch and film and get better on this week and start focusing on the next opponent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Coach Freeman always says, "You either win or you learn." And you know that one, obviously,
4: very disappointing uh, after the game. Of course, that's all it's that's gonna be on your mind for the next you know <laughs> day. But um, you know, good teams after a loss like that, they will look for answers, but the great teams will come together and find solutions. And we are a solution based program. Um, uh, we're gonna do whatever it takes to, you know, make sure that never happens again. And you know, coach Freeman always talks about reaching our full potential. Like it's you, you have to be that way every play. Live in the moment. Can't think about the next play. Can't think about the last one. It's always this one, right? Yeah. That's all you're guaranteed. It's all you got. Um, so, you know, we got stuff to clean up, but uh yeah, that that one definitely hurt. That
0: was a great one. Uh, I, I, good teams one. look for answers. Great teams find solutions. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm, that could be on a t shirt. That's that that's a good, one, that's I a good like one. That one a lot. I, Frame it. I, yeah, you can was that one. Yeah, put it on a plaque. Yeah. I was impressed by the I'm guys that, that I saw talk to the talk to the media <laughs> after the game. Like they were already, you know, folks saying the right things, looking, looking forward. How do you guys, as leaders, like put that into action? Because I think it's going to be tough probably for the next two days. But eventually, you're going to go down to Duke and play. Mm-hmm. What do you guys have to do? As, as leaders on this team to kind of get it going back in the right direction for Duke?
4: Yeah. Uh, whatever needs to be corrected needs to be corrected now, like hmm. with a sense of urgency that, you know, that game's past, but whatever you did poorly, you have to improve upon so that you get better and better as the year goes on. And you don't have time to keep thinking about it. Like right. if you, let's say it's a Wednesday and you're still thinking about last week, like you let that day slip and then you're not as prepared as you should be for the following week, so... Uh, we take it day by day and you know like as a leader you just have to make sure that the guys understand um what it means to be a part of a team like yeah. what it means to be a part of this and then like how can they uh, improve how can they add to the team add value and how can we get better as a team
3: yeah so that's yeah like zeke said, like improving every day and I think one of the things that coach Freeman harps on is Let's win today, and I think that's some you know, as leaders, you want to kind of get back and still, and everyone is like, all right, that game's behind us, now we got to win today. What are we going to take from, you know, that game or yesterday's practice or watching film? What are we going to take and, you know, write your thing down that you're going to work on this week? What yeah. is it going to be and what are you going to do and how are you going to do it? And put your put your effort towards that and not waiting on, the, you know, the past and, you know, something that I, I think is, you have a game like that, you can have an edge going into the next game, but you can never let it you know, affect your emotions and your mindset. you got to have the same mindset every day that I'm going to win today and I'm going to put all my effort into today and how am I going to get better as a player, as a person, as a teammate, as a brother. That's yeah. the main focus. Yeah.
0: We were talking a little bit about Sam as you guys came in here. Uh, I always think of the offensive line. You guys said the older guys kind of teach the younger guys how to come along, but you have such a veteran quarterback. Have you learned anything about offensive line play, maybe even from him or anything that he does that's helped educate you on how you can – play your position better. What, what Sam's impact maybe been on your guys role this year? Uh, he definitely makes your job
4: easier. I can tell you that, <laughs> uh, you know, obviously very experienced guy. Like at the start of the season, he was like, yeah, this is my 49th college <laughs> yeah, football game, crazy. <laughs> which I mean, 49 college football yeah. games. That's a lot of experience going in. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you have a veteran quarterback and Sam, you know, it's a guy you can always rely on. You can always count on him to get his job done. Uh,
3: and, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Been, it's been a pleasure playing with him. Okay. He's a great guy. Yeah, exactly like Zeke said. And the only thing I'll add is just, like, with his experience, he comes like a confidence level and, like, mm-hmm. a, a cool, calm, collected Poise. feel. He's very poised on the yeah. field. And I think that kind of has helped us. And, like, you just kind of feel in the huddle. You just feel kind of collected and poised. And, like, we're not going out, you know, yes, you got to win your individual job and do your job, but it feels like we're an offense going up against a defense. We all yeah. feel together and connected, mm-hmm. and I think that starts with him at the – leadership back there. I
0: know I saw he gave out the beats at the beginning of the year. And like, I've always heard that quarterbacks, they do a little bit extra for the offensive line. So like, did you guys get engraved beats? Did you guys get a second set? Like where, where was <laughs> no, the no. extra part for the O-line? Mine were actually made with real gold. Oh yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, he <clears throat> got everyone on the team beats. I'm pretty sure that's good enough for yeah. me because I actually wow. lost my headphones a uh, few oh. weeks before that. So
3: yeah. Shout out Sam Hartman. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I lost my beats on my my spring break vacation. I threw them in the trash can on the airplane, so... Shout out Why, Why'd you throw in the trash can? I mean, it was total on accident. I still don't know where they went. I had them in my hand, and then like the trash lady came by, and I threw away my bottle. And then I didn't have my headphones. I couldn't see. Were they earbuds yes. or over the ear? No, the earbuds. Okay, ones. And I was I gonna I just, say if you just, just like <laughs> fold those up and threw them in the yeah, can. Yeah, I don't know what happened. So shout Dang. out Sam for shout out
0: Sam. You gotta yeah. get you're gonna be worried about getting old because I get old now. And it's like I put the I put my keys in the trash and like the sour patch bag in yeah. the key holder at home. Right now, it's like the opposite <laughs> thing. So your brain starts doing weird stuff. Yeah, as you get older. Mm-hmm. Fifth year for you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked to Jack and Maris about this last week, but the guys that came in around that time have been through a ton since they've been yeah. here, right? Because you went through football shutdown, COVID, mm-hmm. and then coaching change. Just now that you're in your fifth year, just as you reflect upon your time at Notre Dame, what comes to mind? What What, what are the emotions and and memories that come to mind as you think about your time here? Yeah, uh,
4: you know, reminiscing, thinking about. All the stuff that I've been through getting here, it always brings me back to the same moment. And that was the moment I decided to come here. And that was for the people. Um, like when you go and you decide to commit and give your everything to a school, when you decide to sign that letter of intent, like you don't want to do it for a coach, you don't want to do it for a fan base or, um, anyone else other than like the guys in that locker room because that's that's who you're going to be spending all the time with coaches come and go um you know the guys that can you can always count are going to be the guys next to you mm-hmm. the guys you spend all day with 365 days a year yeah mm-hmm. um and you know when i visited and met the players and got a sense of that locker room feel like that was something i wanted to be around because there's a bunch of guys that are highly competitive and there are a bunch of guys that are you know iron sharpens iron they're going to make you better So that's why I wanted to be around and it's stayed true to this day. It's Mm -hmm. got me through the toughest of times.
0: What about you, Joe? I mean, I I hear you nodding along to that and I see you kind of affirming everything there. You haven't been here as long, but it sounds like the decision was similar that you made.
3: Yeah, it was extremely similar. I, I look back to, obviously I was different. I got recruited during COVID, so I couldn't really come here and like see the guys. But it was the, I was on a Zoom call and like i'd been on a lot of zoom calls and you could feel kind of how you know some colleges maybe like fake what they were really about and stuff it didn't feel real but i got on a zoom call i think it was five ends of offensive linemen from here and it felt so real and you could you always heard about this brotherhood thing but you could see it live in action like yeah i was on there but like they were joking around each other they were talking to each other and just felt like that's where i wanted to be and ever since there since then and coming here and it's been the best decision i've ever made it's my home away from home. These guys are who I rely on and they're there for me. And you want to be successful for them. They want to be successful for you. And it's just, it's this brotherhood and this bond that will be, you know, beyond football, beyond college. It's just, it's just this, yeah, the rest of your life. It's 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 crazy. Yeah. It's been such yeah. a dream to be a part of it.
0: Well, it sounds awesome. I wish I was part of the old <laughs> one. Uh, thanks for swinging by, guys. Yeah, We're going right. to let you get out of here. We're going to bring oh. Coach Freeman in. Okay. Oh, perfect. All right. All right. Bye, Zeke. Have <laughs> fun <find> class, Joe. <laughs> Hey, it's Tony Simeone, the voice of Notre Dame Athletics. Have you saved enough for retirement? Howard Bailey Financial is the official wealth management partner of Notre Dame Athletics, and they have a free resource that you can download right now. Get insight on taxes, social security, income planning, and much more by visiting retirewithpurpose.com echo. That's retirewithpurpose.com echo. Notre Dame Athletics was compensated for this endorsement and is not a current client of Howard Bailey. For more information, visit howardbailey.com slash NDDisclosure.
4: Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. I'm the Pee Wee football team, your carpooling to the game. And our backseat practice has your focus off the road. Go long. Not that long. And if you have cut-rate car insurance, you'll be stuck on the sidelines for the season. So switch to Allstate. Save $468 and get better protected from mayhem, like me.
0: National average annual savings of new auto customers surveyed in 2022 who switched to Allstate. In most states, prices vary based on how you buy. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois. Uh, okay, we replaced uh, a left tackle with a head coach and former defensive guy. Do you feel more uncomfortable now, Zeke, that you're not with your left tackle here? No, I'm good. You're good? You feel good with the head coach? coach? Yeah, okay, of course. I wanted to ask you, Coach, first. Now that you're the head coach, second year, how much did you know about offensive line before you took the job? And have you had to learn a lot more about offensive line play in the last year and a half, being the head coach here? No, you. I think any
1: coach— you know, as a defensive coordinator, you mm-hmm. got to know about offensive line okay. play. And um, more than anything, is getting to know the people, right? Because you're, you're a defensive coordinator. Um, you spend all your time with the defense, and, and you become head coach. And I was very intentional about spending time with these guys, especially the big guys. Like, the very first day I said, we're an O-line, D-line driven program. And so
0: mm-hmm. I had a relationship with the d lineman, but I, I was intentional about developing one with the O-line. When you hear coach say that you guys are offensive line, defensive line driven program, what does that make you feel, Zeke? Good. Yeah.
4: Led by the strong. You know, I mean, I think most games are won and lost in the trenches. Uh, Whoever is more physical, whoever wins the line of scrimmage that day, has a much higher chance of winning the game. And, uh, you know, led by the strong, that's what he says. So that's right. I'll run with that one.
0: (laughs) When you've got someone like Zeke, and we just had Joe in here who just left, like these are big time leaders for your program. Just. How valuable is it to have guys like that up front you can count on when you are starting to kind of build the program out.
1: Yeah, I remember saying to these guys last year, when your biggest guys are your best leaders, hmm. um that's something special. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I knew about Zeke because I was at Cincinnati. Yeah. And he's from Cincinnati and and kind of followed him here. And, you know, Zeke was able to uh give a, a senior speech in fall camp to our our players um and to our program about some of the ups and downs and we call them the bumps in the road along his journey. And to hear the authenticity, um, of his journey, it spoke volumes to me, but I hope it spoke volumes to many of the guys in the room of, of this journey through college. And so Zeke's been a, um, just a great leader for us and a great football player.
0: What was to the extent you can share and if you you can't, that's fine too, but what was the nature of that, that speech you gave last year? Kind of talking about my journey,
4: uh, being here, Freshman year, didn't play. Sophomore year, uh, Jared Patterson got hurt. Right. Opportunity to start North Carolina game, sprained my ankle pretty bad in the first quarter of the game, finished the game out, and then my next start was the Rose Bowl versus Alabama. Next season, my guard, I uh, start the first six games. I'm benched out the rest of the season, and I kind of – I had two choices at that moment, and it was to look outward and point my finger and try and blame someone else or you know, try and figure out why this was happening to me or look inwards and – figure out a solution and how, how can I better myself? How can I make this happen for myself? Yeah. Like Become undeniable. And, uh, that's kind of when that was that shifting moment for me when you know, things started to click more and more and then senior season started center now, fifth year center again. So, uh, it's a bumpy road. It's a very bumpy road, but, um, you know, when you, you got guys and people around you, you can trust and when you can rely on yourself to, to get that done, then, that was that's kind of my that's kind of my thing. You know, you fall in love with the process along
0: the way. Yeah. It takes a while to learn that though, right? Like it long time. It, when it first yeah. hits you, you're like, I don't know if this is gonna be for me, and then you start realizing that the bumpy road is the, the only way you gotta way. go, right? It's yeah. the only way. You mentioned Cincinnati. Did you know about him at all when you were in Cincinnati? Oh yeah. He's yeah. A huge recruit. A huge okay, recruit. so what did you know about Zeke Crow when he was coming up in Cincinnati? And we had no chance. <laughs> Even, <laughs> he wouldn't give us the time of the day. But um <laughs> First offer was, though. Yeah, we got him early. Okay. We did.
1: But um he went on to the greater.
0: Dang, you turned him down. You know?
1: And so yeah. listen, it, it's Notre Dame. I'm here now. Bumpy Road. No, Bumpy exactly road. right. Hey, exactly. Coach Washington Dude, actually him. was
4: uh, at Michigan, I think, at the time, and he came to recruit me. I think he was maybe a few pounds lighter at that time. <laughs> uh then he came here and was our D line coach and I saw him, I was like, this guy looks kinda of familiar. Like I don't know if I remember. He's like, Oh, I remember I was at Michigan recruiting you, and I was like, Oh, <laughs> Well,
0: yeah, it's a small world, man. Yeah, we haven't talked a ton of Cincinnati on this show. I, I hesitate to bring this up, but I just want to get—I guess both you guys on the record with the whole skyline chili thing. Are we skyline fans? I see one nine. I'm a skyline first. You're both skyline. Yeah,
1: guy. I'm a skyline. Guy. Right, okay, you better, you're. Yeah. Yeah. Say, you What's the other one?
0: Uh, gold star. Gold star.
1: Right. Yeah. You're either a skyline or a gold. Star. Okay, guy.
0: and we say you're yes like to good skyline You're <laughs> or bad food. Yeah. <laughs> skyline. What is it like a four way? What's a four way? It's like spaghetti. Yes,
4: yeah, sp- sauce, it's the spaghetti, the chili a mound of cheese, and then uh, onions on the four-way. I get a three-way. I'm not a big onions guy. Okay, but, so just you know. a three-way. Just spaghetti, <laughs> yeah. I'm meat. Actually, the Coney guy. I get the, the glizzies. The oh, dogs my gosh.
0: Stuff, You're an offensive line. Yeah. This, this is starting to make more sense Yeah, okay, I put a
1: few down. So.
0: Coach, what's your skyline order?
1: Yeah, oh, it's been a long time, you know. <laughs> but it would be a Coney. You know, I am I love it. Okay. I do. I love it. Um, put it all on and on my wife. She, you know she's but she's not a Cincinnati. she's not a southwest ohio i got you she's more a north
4: you either hate her or you love it it's kind of yeah. like
1: notre dame football like you, you hate
4: her
0: or you love wow, it. wow that could be yeah. a good tagline notre dame football just like skyline chili <laughs> <laughs> i'd wear that it.
4: shirt i'd wear that shirt
0: did you hear his quote were you in here yet when he said um what was it give it to me again it's about answers uh, i said it was uh, a good quote i said good teams
4: will look for answers to said great teams come together and find solutions
0: how valuable is that? Like I mean, this week, coach. Like that's that's that hit the nail on the head. From you can take it.
1: that and and say it to the team, and that's all you need to say, mm-hmm. right? And and but that's the group of guys that this team and program is made up of. We're not gonna. He just said it earlier, right? That conversation about not making excuses. You own the situation you're in, yeah. and, and that's what we have to do. And it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. And especially when you have the pain that him and Joe were talking about, mm-hmm. the, the pain in your gut um, after a tough loss. And so, but that's what this team will do. We're going to embrace it. We're going to own it. And we're going to get back to work. Um, cause that's the only remedy truly yeah. is to get back to work and it, it's, it's
0: not comfortable, but that's what we'll do. One thing I heard too to transition a little bit, Zeke, is you're one of, you're one of nine. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? And you're the youngest? I'm the baby. Yeah. Okay. So Big just baby. how how old's your oldest sibling? She's 40. So that's quite the gap, right? Yeah. What well, just, I'm an only child. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got to explain a lot to me here, but what was that like growing up in a house of nine and then also being the youngest? Uh, it was awesome. It was okay. So much fun. Yeah.
4: There's never a dull moment. I was always entertained, uh, always wrestling. Uh, there's something always happening in the house. And then, you know, growing up, all my teachers are like, oh, Zeke, like I know you. I'm like, how? I've never even seen you before. And they're like, well, uh, I remember when you were born, your sister was in my class. And this is like, she was a senior in high school. Wow. I was just born. So then. They'd have her and then all of my siblings, and then me, the ninth, you know, the ninth Corral that they had. Um, but, you know, my parents are such amazing people. They did an awesome job blessing us and stilling great things in us.
0: Uh, it, I mean, it was so much fun. Coach, have you gone to him at all and asked for tips at all or like what worked as a nine? Cause you got six, yeah. right?
1: Oh, oh, me and my wife said, listen, you three, six, not Once you're outnumbered, <laughs> right? You just keep starting <laughs> over. You keep <laughs> starting over. And, and, but the one thing about, Zeke being the youngest, he'll be the baby forever.
0: Mm. Right. And yeah. that's
1: why like our, our four year old Rocco, he's the baby and yeah. he'll always be the baby. The babies get spoiled, man. Yeah. That's the last one. And so no wonder he loves being number nine.
0: So was your oldest sibling almost like out of the house by the time you were born? Yeah. What's... So I was
4: born in November. She was about to graduate high school.
0: Wow. And that so was... what's the relationship like with that sibling? Like, are you Cause are you tight because you didn't you almost didn't grow up with them right yeah but
4: i imagine i mean you're we're all though. close yeah you're yeah. all close obviously you know uh my three close siblings in age are my, three of my brothers so okay. it was like girl, three girls one boy another girl and then four boys hmm. so i'm definitely uh been able to spend a little more time with my brothers my brothers just came for three of my brothers came for the game this saturday um but i mean we're all really close and kind of funny like i'll make the joke like some of my siblings are older than some of my coaches so it's kind of like <laughs> i don't know what the dynamic should be sometimes but uh, it's great i already have 13 nieces and nephews so far probably end up being like 30 something by the time it's all said and done
0: yeah. so wow.
1: that is
0: wild. before i get you out of here i've asked you this every week just while the guy's here and it's been great we've had so many older leaders but just with zeke and i i can tell you he's a guy that you you lean on for kind of yeah. some leadership with the team what excites you about his future and and the kind of leader he's going to be going forward? Well, I think the thing you can control, um, in life
1: is how hard you work. Hmm. Right. And, and you don't control the outcomes. You don't control, um, what the reward of that is, but something is coming. And and Zeke is just the hardest worker man. I've been around tough, tough as nails. And, and, as you, you heard his journey, that's why he's in the position he's in now. And so no matter what he does, he's going to be successful. Yeah. He's going to play this game for a long time. And when he's done and his body says no more, um, he's going to be successful for sure. I'll
4: tell you one thing, my body will tap
0: before my mind does. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's, exactly <laughs> that's, that's right. a good <laughs> spot to be in in a headspace. All right, Zeke, coach, thanks for joining us. We'll take a break. Thank you. That
1: to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open a nice cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly.
0: Bank like the Irish when you become a member of Credit Union 1, the official banking partner of Notre Dame Athletics. Open a Fighting Irish checking account to get special perks and shoes from one of eight exclusive Notre Dame debit card designs, so you can show your pride every time you pay. Plus, with the Credit Union 1 branch located just steps from campus at 1140 East Howard Street and CU1's highly rated mobile app, it's never been more convenient to bank on your schedule. Find out more at Credit Union, the number one org irish federally insured by ncua okay we are now joined by a guest that you may have seen on the sidelines this past weekend also probably saw her over the course of the last i think eight or nine years in south bend it's nbc sports Catherine tappan Catherine, thanks for joining us on wake up the echoes it's a thrill to have you here I want to start with just this past weekend. You've been coming to South Bend for, I think, close to a decade now. Mm -hmm. Where did this atmosphere rank for you? Because I was walking around campus. I've never seen this place the way it was on Saturday night. You've seen it up close and personal. Explain to me what the energy was like down there.
2: Yeah, first of all, Tony, thanks for having me. Um, It's great to be with you. And I would say, I mean, that was the most people I've seen on campus in the days leading up to the game that I've ever seen. Um, yes, to your point, this was my 10th fall broadcasting a game at Notre Dame. I did uh, eight seasons on the sidelines. My ninth season last year was hosting our pregame and halftime coverage from the field. And then being back for this one game this season uh, was great. But so I've never seen that kind of a buzz starting on Thursday. I and mean, when we got there, I was like, where are all these people coming from? And then, um, you know, we had We stayed downtown and at the same hotel and we had Ohio State fans in there. There was a big alumni contingent. There were a bunch of activities that they were doing on campus. So they started rolling in Thursday. Um, All day Friday was, I mean, pulling up to the Goog for our normal meetings with Marcus Freeman and the coordinators and the players. I couldn't believe how many fans there were. I mean, normally I see students walking around campus, but I always make my way to the grotto at some point after our meetings on Friday afternoon. There were tour groups. There was a group from an Italian culture club that was there. There there were people everywhere. I was like, wow, this is a different level. And, you know, clearly you had all the activity on, on the library lawn there in front of Touchdown Jesus. You had Pat McAfee's show on Thursday or Friday, rather. You had game day all day Saturday. So um, it was you got the sense that it was a big game. We knew it was going to be a big game. You got the sense of that when we arrived on campus. I've never seen it like that.
0: Yeah. And amazingly, the game itself, I know the result didn't go the way Notre Dame wanted it to go, but it lived up to the hype as far as a spectacle. I just saw uh, also that it's the most watched regular season game on NBC, I think since 93. Yep. So it tells you how much interest there was just in your time covering this team and college football. Have you been involved with a game that had that many late game twist and was that dramatic at the end
2: no and was that dramatic in the beginning too i think you know yeah i think the number was like 14 and a half million people that we had on saturday night which is just awesome but what i love is that the game lived up to the hype you know and and you never know what you're gonna get but both Mm -hmm. coaches talked to us during the week and said this thing's gonna come down to the final the final whistle which is exactly what happened but i could not get over when i looked at the scoreboard approaching halftime before osu kicked the field goal, i was like Zero zero. I mean I don't even remember the last time I watched a football game that was zero zero. let alone two top 10 teams that have high flying offenses you've got Sam Hartman and Audrick Estime you've got the greatest wide receiver in college football on the other side of Marvin Harrison Jr. and literally no score on the board like that to me was an incredible storyline the way these defenses were playing the battle at the line of scrimmage and then you know you look at what that game brought I think you know I'm sure the rating continue I haven't looked at all the notes from NBCPR yet but um I'm sure more people started tuning in, too, being like, holy cow, we got a great game Did you? And, you know, the buzz starts to go as the game gets bigger and bigger. But I've never been a part of a game like that. Um, The twists, the turns, to your point, like waiting with bated breath towards the end, wondering, okay, I've got a list of about eight guys I could potentially interview in a matter of 45 (laughs) seconds from now. Like, I have no idea which one I'm going to get. And, you know, that becomes nerve-wracking for me because you try and prepare your best for these post-game interviews. And I'm like, I have no idea who I'm going to get in a matter of 30 seconds. So...
0: I wanted to ask you about that. that. That's one of the things that interests me most about your job and the unique role you have in the broadcast, because let's say either one of those teams went out and was taking a knee to end the game and, and one handily, you'd probably have more time to, to plan exactly who you might talk to, whether it's the winning coach and the, and the ideal player. In this case, like you said, it sounds like you, you maybe had eight different people yeah. you might talk to. So talk me through your process on the sideline. How do you keep everything straight? Because also, uh, I went down and, and watched a drive or two from the field. And for me, it's so much more difficult to follow the game mm-hmm. on the field than when you're watching on the telecast with all the different aids we have watching yeah. at home. So what are you doing to get ready for that moment where you, depending on what happens in the final play or two, you're going to go talk to so many different potential people?
2: Yeah, so I have the benefit of having monitors on the field. So no- normally the near, near left 20 and the far side 20, I've got um, monitors that are there all game long. This year, they've um, incorporated a roving monitor. So I've got a guy that's literally standing next to me with a monitor of the game broadcast. So anytime Todd Blackledge or Noah are showing Noah Eagle are showing replays, I can see it in my monitor. Um, that's something that Sunday Night Football has always had, and we brought that in for Big Ten coverage, which has been great. So I could be anywhere on the field and see a replay, or see you know if I have to present an injury report, I can look at the monitor and 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 watch what I'm talking to. Hmm. But yeah, with regards to the interview, I mean, it comes down to, we know we're going to get the head coach, the head winning coach. Um, But at at that point, I'm like, okay, it could be Marcus Freeman. And there was a moment where we actually thought Notre Dame was going to win. So I'm like, all right, start prepping for Marcus Freeman. I'd say a a lot of
0: us thought they were going to win. Yeah. yeah,
2: With about (laughs) seven and a half minutes to play. I was in, you know, the, the, my producer who was in the truck was communicating with me and we're like, all right, let's start coming up with questions for both sides. So I kind of knew what I wanted to ask Ryan Day. I knew my first question that I wanted to ask Marcus. But then I, I said to my producer, I'm like, listen, the end of this game is going to determine that first question. Because if Notre Dame wins, the fan base is going to come onto this field. And that is the opening question. You know, just the pandemonium and the 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 magnitude of this victory. And then if it's Ryan Day and they win, that's a whole nother story tell. Um, so I started prepping my questions with about six minutes to play. I thought for a moment I was pretty confident. I'm like, all right going to be Notre Dame and then boom the whole I mean I don't know 20 years doing this I don't know why I always think like oh it's going to be no we got this we're good I'm like no if, if sports has taught us anything it is like it ain't over till the fat lady sings and so sure enough I was down in the I was down right at the end zone with OSU driving and I was standing next to Marcus Freeman watching the way he was calling the game and I'm looking at Katie Lonergan the SID for for Notre Dame. And she's kind of looking at me like, I'm like, "I, I can't tell you right now. Like, I don't know. It could be one or the other. So, um, you know, when they won, I ended up sprinting across the field. I grabbed coach day after he shook hands with Marcus Freeman and he congratulated one of his players. But at that point we're up against the clock. We're off the air at 11. We did have a little leeway. I think, I don't know how many minutes, a couple minutes to spare. So I was able to get the head coach and the winning quarterback, Kyle McCord. So, um, again, those questions became you know I've got a piece of paper and one page is Notre Dame and one page is Ohio State right and I've itemized my priorities and then it's just game on you know and and then really it becomes what you the response of the coach and the response of the quarterback or whatever player you're interviewing you know this that's your follow-up question like what did they say I, I was not anticipating the follow-up <laughs> I was gonna have to ask with coach Day, but
0: I don't think anybody uh, was anticipating that one the I, I think I talked to Allison Williams once and her biggest tip to young broadcasters was like, you got to listen. And it's really hard because you're you're on the field. But like you said, you have to listen to what they're saying and following up with it. I wanted to ask you about just being back on campus and in town. When we were talking before you came on here, you know, because you only now made it back for one, you used to come every home game. Just what was it like seeing some of the familiar faces? I know you developed a lot of great relationships here in your time in South Bend. To be back on campus, obviously for a huge event, but to see some of the people you hadn't seen as regularly, what did that mean?
2: Yeah. Well, it meant the world to me. I mean, I think, you know, that's a special place. I, I started covering Notre Dame football in 2014 and I, I just, yeah, I was overwhelmed most of the weekend, to be honest with you, mm. with the warm reception I received from everybody, from the staff at the, at the Aloft Hotel to, you know, we rolled into LaSalle Grill on Thursday night with nine of us and looking for a table. I didn't know it's trivia night on Thursday nights at LaSalle and you have been to like there. pre- <laughs> you have to pre-reserve your seats and and they remembered us and you know the Brian who works there and all the great staff at LaSalle Grill like just totally cleared a table for us and got us in and 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 fed us and it was amazing and then and then you know arriving on campus um going to practice and then also meeting with Marcus Freeman and seeing the same people that I saw for so many years in the goog the coaching staff I mean every coach came in and would, gave me a hug and was like it's so great to see you great to have you back then the the ushers in the stadium on on kickoff on Saturday night were coming up to me and saying hello. And I was overwhelmed. I mean, Jack Swarbrick, um, you know, we miss you around here. It's so great to have you back. And, you know, that's that's unusual. I mean, Notre Dame is a special place. And I've said this many, many times before, Um, you know, love it or hate it if you cheer for them or you don't. It's a special place. There is a spiritual sense of you know, higher learning and 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 high all all the great things that come with a very good institution. But then it's good people around it. As to mm. Father Jenkins on the sideline, I forgot about him. I mean, <laughs> you name it. Right. I was uh I was really blown away and I was humbled and I was grateful because um I certainly loved my time covering Notre Dame football. I'm now doing it on a different level with Big Ten college football. I hope I hope in years to come that I will be you know making my way back to South Bend for more games or more visits perhaps, but. Uh, I was blown away, and I was I was really, really, really happy about it. It felt really good to be back. Uh,
0: it was great to see you down there. I, I wanted to ask you, you kind of transitioned me towards what I want to talk about with your new responsibility with the Big Ten. I, I just always find it interesting when we talk to people in this industry. You used to know when the Notre Dame schedule came out, okay, I've got these seven home games on these dates. You probably knew a few months in advance. When I saw you on the field the other night, you were telling me that you don't even necessarily know what your game might be a couple weeks in advance. So... I guess what's the difference between preparing for your Big Ten games now and maybe what's exciting about seeing even more of college football?
2: Yeah, well, just that alone is very exciting. You know, going to these college towns, now I get to see a lot more of them than just South Bend. Um, but there was a sense of understanding with Notre Dame football. You know, come week three, week four, of covering that team, you knew the team inside and out. You kind of have an understanding of, of what it's all about. And it's not every weekend. So it was very easy those seven weekends of the year to get prepared and to get ready to go to South Bend. Um, there was a familiarity with where we stayed, everything about it. Now it's totally different. To your point, we just found out where we're going next weekend, so I've got to start to get my flights together and <laughs> and you know. But we have such an incredible research team at NBC Sports, so getting prepared for the game. You know, my prep for this week started on that flight home yesterday from South Bend, and it's okay. It's Michigan State, Iowa. We're heading to Cedar Rapids. You know, let's get our storylines in place. Let's watch their games from Saturday night, Saturday daytime. Um, You know. It, And then you've got two rosters you've never seen before. You've got transfer players that are, you know, totally different from last season with these teams. So it just becomes almost like um, studying for an exam, you know, cramming for an exam. You got to learn really quickly about these two teams. and, And also I think the curiosity that we bring because we don't cover them on a regular basis. You know, there's an element of, Of advantage to that as well, because maybe you're asking questions that a local beat writer might not ask because it's just understood. We have an audience that we can't assume is going to know anything about either one of these two teams. Mm -hmm. So we look at it from 30,000 feet. What are the biggest storylines? And then ultimately the game's going to determine the way the broadcast
0: goes. Something I also wanted to ask you, just a little bit big picture, and you were talking to me before we started here about how you were speaking to a school today, giving some tips to some young students that might be interested in getting into broadcasting. And I'm always interested everyone has a different journey to get into broadcasting. And the landscape, as you know, has changed so much today than when you started., uh, but what are some of the tips you give to young people, whether they're in high school, college, just starting out, for how they can carve out a career? You obviously have a job that I think tons of people who watch this would love to have, right? They fly you around the country to <laughs> to broadcast Big Ten football. like that that's a great gig. And everyone necessarily, not necessarily everyone can have that job, but to get into the industry and kind of carve out a path, I guess, what works for you and what kind of advice do you give people that want to break in?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I had the opportunity to speak to a high school in my town, um, you know, and, and anytime I get that opportunity, I, I grab a hold of it, whether it's colleges or high schools, I'm, amazed that high schools are now interested in bringing people like me in because when I was growing up, that wasn't even an option. Um, But they're more and more getting media programs, getting media classes as part of their curriculum. Um, Certainly at the college level, that's definitely an advantage. But I think, you know, today that question was asked of me, what advice would you give to somebody starting out? And it would be the same advice I would give anybody in any industry. I think start building your network, you know, start building. Everybody you meet along the way is going to be somehow relevant down the road. I can guarantee it. Uh, if someone comes to speak at your class, shake their hand after class, get their information. Even if it's just a, a simple thank you for coming to speak to us, um, you know you're on their radar, and they may need you for something down the road. Right. So, I think building the network is a big thing. Um, and then, you know, looking people in the eye, shaking their hands, being present in the moment everybody's so consumed on social media and on their phones all the time you may you may be flying on a flight and not even realize the person next to you who it is you know and that could be someone that could that could help you but if you're constantly looking down and not keeping your eyes open and aware of everything around you you might miss something really important um and again that goes for really anything and I don't have the answers as far as how to get into this business it's very different from when I got in. Yeah. I mean, I applied on tvjobs.com to every small market in the country and got rejection after rejection after rejection and ended up uh, at NBC10 in Providence, Rhode Island because someone gave me a chance, Mm. you know, and that's what it takes. You've got to get your foot in the door. Someone will give you a chance. It's what you do and what you make of that chance when you get there that's really, really important.
0: All right, Catherine, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with our From the Irish question. Before we get back to the show, we want to tell you a little more about our presenting partner, Tyrac.com. While we've been talking running, passing, and scoring, the experts at Tire Rack have performance of a different kind on their minds. Test results, consumer reviews, and a tire decision guide make tire buying a snap with mobile tire installation that comes to you. Get the right tires to tackle whatever comes next at TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. All right, Catherine, it's time for our From the Irish, presented by TireRack.com. Question of the week, we always have listeners Submit questions. I've got a great one here. It's from DJ in Oldsmar, Florida. He says, among all the sports that you have covered, which one brings you the most joy?
2: Ooh, oh, my gosh. It's so hard. Yeah. Um, oh, man. That's a really good question, BJ. I get asked that a lot because I do have such um, an opportunity to cover so many great events. I would say there's nothing like being on the sidelines of a football game, whether it's college or NFL, I love college. I love the noise in the stadium. I love the pomp and circumstance, the traditions, um, the smells, the sounds, the helmets clanging, the the, the bodies hitting the turf, like everything about it is so real and it's so authentic. And then you get kind of insider looks into what players are really about when you, you hear the chatter at the line of scrimmage. You know, you you hear things that you wouldn't normally hear, which um, it's almost like inside baseball, football. So hmm i would say but as much as i love the college football football sidelines i also love the nhl and i love the game i love the players um i love the sense of integrity that the the sportsmanship you know the tradition of shaking hands at the end of each series during the playoffs like you don't see that in every sport each round of the playoffs so um i would say i think it's a combination of both of those um the sidelines and then the nhl are are two of my favorite events to be able to cover
0: Okay, I'm also getting – yeah, they're hitting me in the IFB here. Uh, it's This is from Mike T. in Ann Arbor. Uh, maybe also – might also be based out of Syracuse. I don't know exactly. But he's saying to me – Mike T., uh, I think he was uh, – what were they last night? They were, where were they? They were in uh, – Vegas. Last, they were in Vegas last night. He might night,
2: still so. be stuck in Vegas. Yeah, this is still actually – Maybe Mike... Vegas. I mean, if I were Mike T., I'd be in Vegas too.
0: Yeah, Mike T. from Vegas says – who is your favorite NBC announcer that you've ever worked with? And this is a tough one.
2: Oh, my gosh. I mean, my least favorite is this guy named Mike Tirico. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I I have to say, like, I give NBC credit for hiring some of the greatest people because mm. I cannot even pick one. I've worked with such amazing individuals. I mean, and the best of the best, Mike Tirico, Doc Emrick. Um, you know, I, have been on the set with, with, with Keith Jones and hockey, um, you know, Dan Hicks and on the golf and on Notre Dame and Tom Hammond. And mm. I-, I can't even name one because what I will say about most of the people I have worked with and it really at NBC, um, they just value me being there and they respect mm. me and they are incredibly endearing and we all become a family. We're on the road for a long, long time together. Uh, you become a, a working family, but you also become incredibly close off the air because you're having meals together. You're, you know, you're there when you're answering phone calls that might be tough. I mean, I I, I had my colleagues in the car with me when I got a phone call at Notre Dame. We were on our way to practice and I had found out my uncle passed away suddenly. And, and, you know, you're in those moments, those very, very sensitive moments with people that you're working with, but they're more than just your colleagues. They're your family. They're your friends. So um, Mike was like a brother to me for so many years, still is. He calls me his TV sis. So um, certainly Mike is Mike is high up there on the list for sure.
0: All right. Mike T got the answer he was looking for, whether <laughs> he's in Vegas or Ann Arbor. I can confirm NBC only employs great play-by-play broadcasters.
2: Yes, 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 uh, yes. Exactly.
0: Uh, Catherine, thank you so much for joining us. I got to say it was great to see you on the sideline. Uh,
2: you too, Tony. I know <laughs> I miss seeing you all in person.
0: I know. Uh, I echo what the ushers said. It's great to have a familiar face back there. But. I am excited to see you traveling around and covering uh, that primetime package. When Notre Dame is not playing in primetime, which it does seem like they're playing in primetime every week now, uh, we will (laughs) will make sure to follow you uh, and what you do. So thanks for making some time, and thanks for joining us.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Tony. Keep up the great work.
0: That does it for this week's edition of Wake Up the Echoes, presented by Tyrac.com. Once again, a big thank you to Catherine Kappen. For making some time to join us today, also the two big offensive linemen Joe Alt and Zeke Krell, and Always enjoy talking to the head coach Marcus Freeman. We will talk to you one week from now after the Duke game on the next edition of Wake Up the Echoes, presented by TireAct.com. Wake Up the Echoes, the official show of the Fighting Irish, presented by TireAct.com, is also brought to you by Canon Solutions America, Credit Union One, Coca-Cola, Gatorade and Under Armour.